we are blessed to have some amazing pastors here. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jay and Patty have uh, been an amazing shepherd and uh, shepherds in my and my family's lives. And it is a great honor to be able to preach in this pulpit. And uh, just so you know, the morning service, I did raise it up a little bit. It usually sits a little bit lower. <laughs> this thing's heavy. I was quite impressed with that. Built for, for eternity, I think. Um, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this uh, amazing time that we get to focus on you and to be a body that comes together and, and all in one heart and one mind and one accord and glorifies you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here, and we invite you to have your way. Prepare every heart to receive your word. Prepare the soil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I'm excited. Um, I've been chewing on a, a word for since the beginning of the fast, and probably a little bit before that. And uh, it was, so have you ever had something that's very tough? You get, ever had a, like a $2 steak? <laughs> you got to chew on that bad boy, right? So I've been chewing on a word that the Lord gave me, and it's, it's, a, it's a strong word. And uh, I've kind of shared little bits and pieces at our home group. And by the way, the home group tonight at the Shandell home in Valley Springs will not be happening. Um, it's the first one we haven't not had, but it will be back on. Um, so if, don't drive to Valley Springs if you were coming from Jackson tonight. Um, like Pastor said, there's a rumor there's a big football game on tonight, and um, I think most everyone's going to be with their family, so that's probably going to be the, the mode for tonight. But um, getting back into the, the spiritual, this word, the Lord put this verse out of Revelation, and uh, Re Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse 11. Now, most everybody knows this. They overcame by... Okay. That's pretty good. Except for I didn't hear the last part of the verse. And they love not their lives unto death. That love not their lives unto death has been something that has just been going and going and going in me. And that is a, that's a hard word. It's a beautiful word. That's how they overcame Majority of my life, I, and majority of the time you hear that ever quoted, you don't hear that. It's, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and their word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. Why do you think we don't say that one? That's a hard one, right? That's why the Lord requires us and asks us over and over and over, all through Scripture, that this is what it looks like. And he modeled it so perfectly. We were singing songs today, all these songs about him pouring out his life, him loving us, him showing and proving his love. And I would challenge you to say when we lift our hands and we say, and he is always good. You are always good. You are always good. Do we believe that? Because where this, where this is all coming from is um, I believe in the power of healing. I believe there's no sickness in Christ. I believe there's no disease. I believe that is his enemy and that is my enemy. I'm not okay with it. Now, let me say this. I had appendicitis not too long ago. I had to go get surgery. I didn't want to go get surgery. It wasn't a good time.
for me to have surgery. I didn't like it. Now, I, will, I want to say something else. This church, when they, I felt, I literally felt, and I've never, I've, I've felt prayer a little bit before, but I never felt prayer like when I was in the hospital. I wasn't nervous about being in the hospital. I was nervous about all the stuff, Candy, <laughs> that was spinning. And it's all, and I was trying to spin it all, and I'm going, I can't keep it all spinning if I go and have surgery. Oh, man. My wife literally said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, I can't. If I go, they're going to want to do surgery on me. That's one reason God gives men wives. <laughs> I probably would have died. We are not the sharpest tools sometimes. <laughs> I am not. I'm not going to speak for every man, but I think I represent most every man. <laughs> but through that, after that, and boy, I, I felt the power of prayer. Like as a, as a, as a tangible thing. It was, it was like nothing else I felt. It, it just rested on me. And it was, it was like enjoyable. <laughs> I'm in the hospital and they kept wanting to bring, give me drugs. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Or, well, you're not supposed to, I'm good. Like, you sure? Dude, I'm good. I'll let you know. You know, I mean, I just, I'm not, like, I'm not bragging. I wasn't because I was being like, being a man, and I'm just going to tell. It was the Lord. And I recovered so quickly. I mean, I was up and like, woo, I feel good. Now, I don't know why that happened. After that, I felt really, really good for like four or five days. I went back to work, and then I got the flu <laughs> for like four weeks. <laughs> and after I thought it went away, it got into my ear. And then into a thing I didn't even know I had, which was some sort of a gland thing in here. And it swelled up like not good. I grew like another half of a face. And then that went away. And it hurt. It was very painful. And then it started in this one. Okay, now I'm not cool. I'm I was Lord, I don't get this. How does sickness in my body when you live inside of me? You're in here. Sickness can't be in here. And 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 I'm doing all this stuff, which is it's kind of right. But I'm doing it like this. And what I'm, really, what I'm really saying is, if you love me, why is this happening? Isn't that what we say? I wasn't saying you're always good. If you're always good, why do, why, this don't make sense. I don't get it. And this is the answer I get. And they love not their selves unto death. And they love not their lives unto death. I'm going... And then once I start really getting it, I'm going, wow, I'm like, I'm such a baby. I need to grow up. I need to mature. And then the Lord puts this little gem in my hand, which is a daily devotional of the voice of the martyrs, of our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted right now for their faith. And I read every day about people who have made a decision to follow Christ in light of knowing their, their, their families are going to disown them. So high probability that people they love are going to die and they will probably give their life. And I'm complaining that I had the flu. 
I'm, I'm, why I'm upset is because I'm, I love this flesh. I'm going to protect my flesh. This flesh is evil. There's nothing good in this flesh. That's why this word he tells us, he tells us in, in the book of Mark, he tells us actually so many times, he tells us in three of the gospels, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I have learned when the Lord repeats something multiple times, it's kind of important. Amen. Right? Amen. That's kind of important when he says it more than once. Like when I was growing up, my father told me something more than once. I'm pretty sure he meant it. And he really wanted me to get that. Amen. So in Mark, I just chose Mark um, 8, the 8th chapter, 31st to 38th verse. This is, he has shown me so, such a different outlook on this passage of scripture. And it's, it's really kind of radically changing me. And it's a good thing. Now, Peter has just declared that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, one of the greatest declarations ever. And Jesus tells him, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So Peter is in touch, in tune with the Father. And he literally, right after that, Jesus begins to speak. And he says, and he began to teach them, which is his apostles, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. You, you guys ever hear God speak plainly? Amen. Up until this point, there's, there's been some kind of parables. There's been some things, but, but it's very, very plain. And, and we, what we're going to realize is Peter has this moment. And, and let me suggest that a lot of the disciples and a lot of the apostles that I have looked at and went like, wow. When he called them, he said, follow me. And they dropped what they were doing. And they followed him. And that has been something I've always been in awe about. I have always been like, wow. But I kind of, I'm looking at things a little differently. And they did do this, but I believe there's a little bit of a twist in motive. I think we're going to find as we go along that as they dropped what they were doing, they're also realizing this is the Messiah. And maybe they were thinking this, if we get in early, we'll have some high-ranking positions. Amen. Because they're human. They have this earth suit and this flesh. And they've been expecting the Messiah, and they see these miracles and these things, and they're going, whoa, I think this might be it. And yes, they did leave everything, but I'm pretty sure they're leaving everything going, this is going to be a heck of a lot better. And it's a mindset that is so wrapped in this Western culture church today that they have a gospel called the prosperity gospel. And it's the same kind of spirit that was going on back then that leads Jesus to get to a point that he has to speak plainly. And now listen, I'm not against prosperity. If the blood of Christ has covered your life, let me tell you something, you're rich. I'm prospering. I'm living eternally. I got a good thing going. But I would like to share also that the seed I see in Scripture isn't talking about money. It's talking about the gospel. It says the farmer goes scattering seed. It's not even about, it's about the soil, the condition of the heart. And the seed is the word of God. And I didn't see Jesus saying, 
I'm going to, you know what? If you sow a little bit into my ministry, I'll pray for you and I'll heal you. I don't see that. I don't see that at all. And yet we look at these things and, and there's not this church, obviously, there's not a lot of churches saying that, but there's extremes of this prosperity stuff. And it's like, what? And people are turning away like left and right. And you should, it's not in here. You don't come to Christ because you want to be blessed. Some people do. And some, I've done it. And, I, and we've, we've, it's all affected us to the point to where when we don't see the blessing, Lord, what's going on? Because our, our perspective is twisted. Our perspectives are twisted a lot when they're not in line with the word. We get, we get so, and it's so easy because our culture is twisted. That's why Jesus came and he untwisted it. He speaks plainly. They're fighting and jockeying over what they're looking at. They're looking from this perspective of, whoa, this could be good. Wow, the Messiah, which is all good. He's going to establish the kingdom. Dude, I'm going to be on his left. Remember, they're fighting over who's going to be on his left, who's going to be on his right. Don't tell me that's not what this is all about. They fight about it all the way through. They even have mama going, well, can he sit at your left? I mean, they bring mama into it. It's, It's on their thought. And we do it. We even tell people, just, just say this prayer. And it's all going to be good. I don't see that. My Bible says that you're going to have to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But nobody wants to die. <laughs> You want to go to heaven? Heck yeah. Pick up your cross. Oh, no. They're expecting, I mean, this is the mindset of this culture. The Messiah is going to come and we're going to thump on Rome. There's a whole, I mean, there's a whole people group called zealots. They've attempted it and attempted it and attempted it. Like, dude, get your sword. Like, we're going to be heroes. We're going to take back our kingdom. We're following Jesus. So Jesus starts to speak plainly. And when Jesus speaks plainly, it's like plain. There's no question. So Peter, after Jesus says that, he turns and takes Jesus aside. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah. Well, now you said something I don't like. So we need to have a talk. Come on over here. Okay, Jesus. Um, Yeah, remember I gave up my fishing business my whole career? Uh, the money that went, I left the fish in the net. What are you talking about? You're not going to die. You can't die. We got to establish the kingdom. What are you thinking? Don't be telling people this. <laughs> Jesus ever tell you something? Wait a minute. We need to talk. This is not in my plan. My plan is this, and I'm going to do this, and this is going to happen, and this ain't, this ain't working. But you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I love you. And I'll do anything you want. But I don't like this. So, he, so Jesus, in all of his compassion, goes, Oh, you know, Peter, you're right. No. So he goes, Okay, you're rebuking me. Well, now it's time for your rebuke. I've been rebuked by him. So he rebukes Peter and says, 
You know, if you, no, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Jesus loves me, this I know. No, get behind me, Satan. Why does he call him Satan? Because Satan tried the same thing. When, he, when Satan came and tempted Christ, he did not want him to go to the cross. He absolutely did not want him to go to the cross. So he said, I'll give you the kingdom without the cross. Without the cross. And guess what, church? He's doing the same thing with us. You can have the kingdom without the cross. You don't need to die. Jesus already did that. So Jesus goes, let me get this straight. Let me, let me really speak truth to you. Turning to seeing his disciples, he rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Amen. He's saying, Peter, your perspective is all jacked up. You're only seeing this through a human perspective. Peter, you're seeing this for what you can get. Peter, you're seeing this for what you might lose. Peter, Peter you need God's perspective. Church, you and me need God's perspective. We, we don't need each other's perspective. We don't need flesh and blood's perspective. We don't need this world's perspective. Jesus has always been counterculture to the world. He is, he, he is so different. He said, we want to, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom, Lord? They're assuming it's them. Amen. Well, unless you become one of these, these little children, you can't even inherit it. Oh, you want to be the greatest? Yeah. We'll become the servant. Well, let's have a talk again, Jesus. <laughs> Come here. We need to counsel. No. He is so different. He's, when Jesus was going and, and eating, they're saying, why, are you, why aren't your disciples fasting? When Jesus was going and praying, everyone else is sleeping. When Jesus is sleeping, they're up. I mean, it's just, they're up worried about the storm. He's in the boat asleep. I mean, he is so different. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's trying to get our thoughts onto his thoughts. Amen. And the only way that happens is if we die. The supernatural does not rest on the flesh. The flesh has got to die so that the resurrection power can come up. Everybody wants to go to heaven. That's what I should have named this. I should have named that message. That just if you're wondering... The, Linda texted me. I, had no, I didn't have a title. She goes, what's the title of your message? I'm like, I don't know. So then I was like, hey, don't forget your cross. <laughs> All right, that'll work. <laughs> so if you're writing down titles, you can put both of those and they'll both work. <laughs> Setting our minds on the, instead of, not on the things of God, on man. And oh, that is so, it's so tricky. It happens so easily because we're surrounded by it. And we start drifting. That's why you got to get in this. And you got to be in relationship with him and asking, Lord, what is your thoughts on this? What is your mind on this? Because the Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. We can have it. Amen. You know, I heard that the Holy Spirit resides inside of us as the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Like actually lives in here. And he will like tap us on the shoulder, 
He will encourage us. He will teach us. He will even convict us. You know, our perspective is so important. My perspective on who he is has changed so radically. Early on, I associated God as this dictator that had this big stick or big belt or whatever, a disciplinarian, that if I stepped out, the wrath was coming. And you know what? When I'd step out, I would go, he's there, I'm going this way. And it took a long time to go back that way because I would make sure he cooled off good. (laughs) And I need to hear some real happy, feel-good messages. All right, maybe I'll come back. Now I've got this because my perspective is right, and it's aligned with the Word of God, not on my experience, not on anything else, but on the Word. He actually loves me. He sent his son to die for me. He calls me the righteousness of God. He calls you the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. He says, I can come boldly into his throne room anytime I want because I'm holy. You know why I'm holy? His blood is applied to me. Jesus applied his blood to my life, which means I'm good. Now, when conviction comes and I step out a little bit and I go, oh, that grieves me. I go running to him. I run to him. I, literally, I, I don't go, I run to him because he's good. And he's, I heard this morning, he's always good. Because his love never fails. It never gives up and it never runs out on me. So I run to him. It's the weirdest. I mean, I'm still tripping out on this because I ran away from him for so, so long. Even after I was saved, I do something dumb and I'm out. And he's like, I love you. I love you. Hey, remember, I knew you were going to do that stupid thing and I still died for you. Wow. That's some crazy love. He lays down his life. He poured it. I'm pretty sure the the communion this morning was, I'm pouring out my blood for you. What else do we need to prove his love? So perspective. Get your mind on the things of God, off of the things of man. We must set him there. So then Jesus calls the crowd, not just his disciples. He calls everybody. Hey, everybody, come over here. I want to tell you something. He's making it very clear. In calling the crowd to himself and the disciples, he said to them, if anyone, who? Anyone. I joked in the first service about this would be a pretty good Calvinistic set of scriptures to maybe argue, but (laughs) if anyone would, which means would means you have a choice, come after me, let him deny himself. And take up my cross. No. That says his. That means my cross. Not his. He took his, so I got to take mine. Dang it. I just want to rely on that one, which we are. But guess what? If anyone would come after me, not before me, follow me, take up your cross, Follow me. For whoever would save his life. Now look at the words. We're talking about life here. He's going to, in a second, switch to soul. This is temporary. Soul's eternal. If anyone would come after me, 
Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? That's eternal. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For, who, for whosoever is ashamed of me and of my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <laughs> so Jesus is saying this. If you want to be my follower, you want to say that you're a Christian, which means Christ-like, what you say, I say, what you do, I do, what you pray, I pray, it means I'm following you, Lord. And if it, that means if I have to lay down this temporary, little temporary life, the Bible says that is here today is but a vapor. That of life, if I have to lay that down for eternity to have my soul with him in the kingdom. Can't you talk about seek ye first the kingdom of God? Now, what's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's seek that first. If we seek that first, all of the clothing, all of the material things that is talked about before Matthew 6.33 will be covered. We ain't even got a trip on it. We don't have to worry about it. It's just taken care of because we've laid down our lives. And as the, 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 the culture all around the world, that's immediate. This perspective is immediate. As soon as salvation starts, Jesus says, count the cost. And guess what? The church outside of America has to count the cost. They have to make a decision right there and then. Am I going to follow him? Am I going to believe what, what the Messiah says? Am I going to lay down my life? Because it costs them everything. Jesus said that father would turn against brother. brother mother would turn against daughter. That it's, he didn't come, it, it's going to be a mess. And it's going to cost something. What's it cost us? Very little. Someone might point their finger and be like, oh, he's a Bible thumper. Amen. But I'm going to sell out. I'm going to, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I don't like what that's, I don't like what you're asking me, Lord. But I want to do this. Or I want to hold on to this. What do we hold on to? For this little second of time in, in the scheme of eternity? We've got to be willing to lose our life. Not many of us are going to have to. But are you willing? When, when, you, when you sign up, when you became a Christian, did you really mean? Because this is what I said. I'll, I've destroyed everything. I got nothing to give you. There's nothing good in me. If there's something you want, you can have it. If there's something good in me and you want it, you can have it. And I said, but I don't think there is. And I meant that. So I don't know if I can serve you or not. But I'll give you my best shot. And I knew my life had to change. I knew that this old, this old person was going to have to die. And I'm pretty sure in the sixth chapter of Romans, Paul makes it very, very clear when he talks about what it means to be baptized. I don't have time to get into it. Man, the time's already gone. That was quick. <laughs> he says, your life, your, your life has to go under. Go into baptism of death. So that when this, this new creation comes out, it's resurrected. 
with a whole new wavelength of mindsets and thought life and a whole new realization of who the master is and who the master isn't and what's your purpose on this planet is it's to be in fellowship with him it's to obey him it's to follow him because he says follow me they were so twisted when jesus said pick up your cross they were like what i thought we were going to pick up swords let's go make it happen and in order to pick up a cross you got to let go of everything else But how am I going to bring? You're not. You're picking up your cross. Jesus said some hard things, and a lot of people would turn and just, this is too hard a teaching. He didn't soften it up for them. And he's telling us, are you going to follow me? Church, do you want the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the power? Do you want it? Amen. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Church, do you really want the life, the resurrected life that comes? Okay. All right. I'm glad you said that. Then pick up your cross and follow him. Right? Because it's, yes, it's to a place of death, but it's to a place of real life. In 1 Corinthians, if you want to go home and look this stuff up, I'm not lying. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 36 through 38 talks about this, the seed. How many, when, you, when I was a little boy, I, we had these two white peach trees in our, in our home in uh, Los, Los Angeles County, in Downey. Amazing. White peaches are the best peaches there. I mean, they're so juicy. Oh, Pastor Jay. We, I made homemade ice cream one time. It was amazing. Anyways, so I would eat these peaches. And I liked to dig when I was a little guy. I'd dig these big old holes, and we'd put, I'd eat a peach, put the seed in there. And nothing ever happened. I couldn't grow a peach tree to save my life. So I remember, like Grandpa, you got to put you got to put the seed on the windowsill. You know what the seed has to do? Yeah, it has to die. Corinthians tells us that. Unless a seed goes into the ground, it dies. It's got to die. And it says you don't take the, the you don't take the peach tree, and dig a huge hole and put the peach tree in the ground. Take the seed, you put it in the ground, and it's got to die. Then life. It's no different. Our lives, our, our fleshly life, my, my old life had to die, had to go in the ground, had to be buried so that he could resurrect it and life, eternal resurrection power, life could come out of it. Amen. Now, when that one seed goes into the ground and dies and, and begins to produce, here's what it does to do, Candy. It doesn't stress out. That seed, when it starts, it's, it's not in the, while it's in the ground going, Oh, shoot, is this the right time to sprout? I don't know. Oh, oh I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see anyone else doing it yet. I don't know. Oh, gosh. And it's, well, I'm just going you know. And then it stresses out the whole, oh, shoot. I see there's other trees with leaves. Is this the time for leaves? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Did I do it the right time? Now there's leaves. Oh, no. Now there's fruit. Don't they expect fruit? Oh my gosh. And it's the trees stressing out over the, oh, I got to make fruit. That's not how, oh shoot, now I got to drop my leaves. The cool thing about the seed is all that information's in the seed. All of it's in there. When that seed resurrects, it's not hard. You know what? Because it already died. 
the hard part's over. Now you get to live. And you get to produce fruit. And you don't even got to worry about it. Because the seed is that, that is inside of you now is his. It's his life in you. And he produces it. And all you're supposed to do is be like connected to the vine. And all the information that comes out it just comes through you. And there's stuff going on in your job. Just stay connected. I can do this. That means I put my hand in his hand. I'm following you, Lord. Amen. We're going to the cross. Let's go. And, and now I'm like, oh, no. I run to him. Ooh, that was flesh. I, I'm serious. I'm like, I jump up on the table. Cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. I don't, eat, I don't got time, no anesthesia. Just get to cutting. Right? I'm dead serious. I haven't always been that way. I'd be like, cut it, well, knock me out first. <laughs> you're going to have to knock me out because I don't like getting cut on. Now it's like, you're so awesome and he's so good. And it's like, man, I don't want no, I want more fruit. I want to see your kingdom. I want, pour me out. And if I got to give my life, sweet, I'm out of here. Right? That's what, that's what the church around the world, they're like, this is not my life. This is not my home. I already died. What are you going to do to me? You can't take my life because I already gave it to him. Amen. What are you going to do to someone like that? I'm going to threaten you. Do it. That's my whole goal. My wife, she hates when I said, but I, I told her this years ago. It would be hard for me not to say if someone put a gun on me in that jewelry store, said, I'm going to shoot you. That's my goal. I get to go to heaven. I, I would probably just put it, make sure you don't wound me. <laughs> just right there. <laughs> I don't want to live through this, right? I mean, how, I, I'm not, I'm being funny, but I'm not. I mean, it's temporary. This is so temporary. Oh, I don't feel good. So what? Love not yourself. Love it. It's who cares? It's about him. I, I would challenge you to say, it's not about me. It's not about me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. It was never about them. They went through the fire. They went through it. Jesus was there with them. Nebuchadnezzar built a hundred foot tall gold. I think it's about him. That dude was so jacked up. He built a hundred foot gold statue for people to worship. What happened after, after they went in the fire? And they heated up seven times hotter. And they still didn't be like, cool, let's go. They went in. They didn't go, we didn't bow, Lord. You should have delivered us. Oh, amen. What's up with this? this what, I didn't sign up for this. And I'm complaining because I got the flu. But look what happens. Nebuchadnezzar says, put three. Yeah, we put, I see a fourth man. And he's glowing like a god. And oh yeah, you know, they went in there bound. Maybe the fire was to set him free. They came out, woo. Then he tells him, come out. Now, if I'm, 
I'm, I would, if I could go back and just play their role for one, one is I would have to say this and put it in scripture. No, you come on in. <laughs> I mean, he had to tell them to come out. They're like, no, we're good. We got Jesus. I'm good. No, come out. And then he says, but it's about them. It's about Nebuchadnezzar because he says, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your God has delivered you. How, how did that change? It was about him. Paul knew that when he was persecuted. And Paul did everything right. When he got, he cashed it all in. Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say. Go to Philippi. All right. Get started a church. They lock him up, put him in jail, beat him. I mean, they beat him, tortured. What the heck, God? I did everything you said. I'm following you. Why am I having to go through this? That's not what the scripture says. It says at midnight, I worship you, Jesus. I love you. I praise you. I glorify you. You are so good. Actually, you're always good. And what happened? The jailer gets saved. His whole family gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Was it about Paul or was it about that family? Is it about us or is it about glorifying him? Maybe it's not about us at all. Maybe it's all about him. Maybe when we lay down our life, or maybe if we haven't, we need to, we will understand that, wait, I already died. It's not even about me. How can a dead man ever get offended? If, I, if I'm getting offended, my flesh is still alive. And it needs to die. Well, you stink. Yeah, I'm dead. You're ugly. Yeah, I've been dead a long time. What do you do with someone that's dead? Bury him. Yeah. I mean, what are we thinking? I mean, they're, I'm just being real. And guess what? I haven't died completely. There's still a cross in my bedroom. I got to get on it every morning. Lord, Paul knew that. Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I pour out my life as a, as a drink offering, as a libation for you. He did the same thing that he saw Jesus do. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. But this life I now live is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So then guess what Paul did? He loves other people and gives himself for them. He followed Christ. I think that's what a Christian's supposed to do. Amen. Be a Christ follower. Be Christ-like, like little Christs that just lay down their lives Amen. and don't complain because they already died. Amen. And like when we were complaining, it's like maybe I haven't died for a week. Maybe it's been a month. Maybe it's been years. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians five seventeen talks about a new creation. I mean, I literally could go through every single book. I won't. It says, "I have been crucified." No, that's Galatians. First Corinthians says, "Anyone who in Second Corinthians, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things are passed away." What was that? No, passed away. Dead? Dead. Passed away. Behold, 
all things become new. Now that's good news because the old things, whoo, that old life of mine, it rotted horribly. It was bad. And I didn't, wasn't even aware of it. Amen. I was bringing death everywhere. It even talks about in Corinthians that, or in Romans, that we use our old lives as instruments, instruments of death. I did. But now I get to use them as instruments of righteousness. He put a new life in me. He put a new song in my heart. He radically changed my whole outlook and perspective on life. It's not about me. It's about glorifying him. And guess what? You're no different. It's not about you. It's about glorifying your creator. We have, we wear his image. Everyone, please stand to your feet. Steph, could you come up? <clears throat> I got to stop. I want to read a little story. It's very short. This is uh, about a young woman. Her name is Golnaz. I'm not probably pronouncing it right, but that's what it is. Golnaz is a young woman in Pakistan who has paid a high price. Married and a Christian, she refused a Muslim man's advances to the point that she slapped him. He carried through on his vow that she would pay for her disrespect and doused her with acid, leaving her with burns on her face, chest, and arms. Such cruelty takes away our collective breath, does it not? This isn't a nameless, unknown person, but yet another young woman left with both emotional and physical scars, disfigured for life. Again, God used this body, used his body when Christian medical personnel came forward to assist with caring for Golnaz, even obtaining surgery to allow her more use of her damaged arm. So what was Golnaz's response to the acid attack? While her physical wounds healed, her spiritual life soared. God filled her with love to respond to the hate that generated the act towards her. Her story and witness touched the lives of young girls in her neighborhood, and a small Bible study was born. Maybe it wasn't about her. But get ready for another collective breath. This time, out of amazement, the rundown area where Golnaz and her family lived had an open sewer in the street and garbage piled everywhere. Again, Christians came alongside and made it possible for Golnaz and her family to move to a house in a much nicer area. Yay, right? Yes, but for a different reason, Golnaz and her husband turned over the house keys to a Pakistani evangelist who had been on the run ever since radical Muslims had targeted his ministry. After all, it was obvious to Golnaz and her husband that the evangelists needed it more than they did. There's story after story of Christians who, they're being persecuted. They put a gun to their head. Renounce your Savior. Worship Allah. Nope. We're going to kill you. You can't kill me unless he allows it. That's their answer. He's all-powerful. You can't touch me unless he allows it. Let me just persecute, persecute, persecute. They're, they're dying daily. They're giving up their lives, even unto death. They counted the cost, church. Now, I want to do something. This, this is something that the church overseas does. During prayer each week, a pastor invited the church family members to put their hands in front of them, palms down. Everyone, please put your hands out. Palms down. 
I would say open your fingers as wide as you can too. Indicating that they were giving everything over to God. Try it with your fingers extended and feel the emptiness and your inability to hold on to anything with your flattened palms. Now picture God's hand under, hands under yours, receiving everything in your life, all given over to him. That is the way Golnez and her husband live, with no grasping, but with giving all they have to our wise father. Holy Spirit, please come right now. We invite you as we place our hands out and our fingers spread wide. We let go of everything that you've called and asked for. We release it all to you, Jesus. We let go of the hurt. We let go of the regret. We let go of shame. We let go of lies. We let go of addiction. We let go of suicidal thoughts. We let go of depression. We let go of inadequacy. We let go of every lie that's ever spoken and attached itself to us. We let go of all of our hopes. We let go of all of our dreams. We let go all of our plans. We let go of everything that has hindered us from picking up a cross. We give it to you. We give ourselves away. We believe that in you is hope. We believe that in you is joy. We believe in you we have righteousness. We believe that you are our Savior. We believe in the resurrection power that raised Christ from the grave that resides in us. <laughs> if you've never let go of everything, if you've never, never given your life to Christ, you've never fully surrendered. Maybe you said, I'm, I'm a Christian, but you've never picked up your cross. I would ask you to come to the front to the altar. That's where you're going to find your deliverance. That's where you're going to find him. You will forever be changed. There is no possible way when you let go of everything and pick up your cross that you are not going to have resurrection power, that you will not be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will not be a new creation where old things are all passed away and behold, everything becomes new. You will never die again. When you take your last breath, you will slip into an eternal body that will never feel pain, that will never have any sort of death connected to it ever again. The Bible says that if anyone comes to Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things. You don't have to carry any of the lies in the baggage or the past. Let go. Let him take it. He's already taken it and paid for it. He took it to the cross and all the sins were paid for. 
praise you and worship you, Lord. Glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Have your way, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that, that this moment and in this time would be remembered. That, Lord, I believe there's people that are letting go of things right now and have let go of things that, Lord, they were never to pick up again. Your word says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Freedom reigns in this place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. We denounce every lie and every scheme of the enemy. We break every tie to our past in the name of Jesus. We are what you say we are, Lord. We will go where you say for us to go. We will do what you say for us to do. There's people in under the sound of my voice that have had a calling on their lives and they've been scared to let go and follow the Lord. And I would challenge you to let go of your life. He said, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you let go of it, you will find it. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But let me remind you, there is a yoke. He takes yours and he puts his on. And you're to follow him and stay in step with him. And we thank you, Jesus. Praise your Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this impartation to us today. And as we leave this place, we do not leave your presence. As we leave this place, we do not leave the power and the truth of what has transformed our lives today. And that we die to self. That we arise in the supernatural. We just declare your favor, encouragement, and the mighty presence of the Holy Spirit with you always. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So um, we have the kingdom leadership that's going to be taking place here.